0: Okay, why don't we stand to our feet and we're going to read our passage for tonight. Uh, tonight's sermon is actually a very simple sermon, very simple and by the same time it's very, very, very encouraging. So we're going to read from Hebrew chapter 4, Max already read it for us earlier, Hebrew chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 1 to first 11, okay, we're going to read together in honor of God's word and you'll find out next week why do we stand when we read God's word, why do we do this, that will be next week. So we're going to read Hebrew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. In count of three, yeah? One, two, three. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. But for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For he who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundations of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying to David so long afterward, in the word already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remained a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your words because we believe that your word has power to transform lives. So tonight, Lord, uh, we just want to say that we want to submit ourselves to your word. Like we don't want to dictate your word, but we want to let your word dictate our life. So speak whatever that you need to speak to us tonight, Lord. We're ready to, you, we're ready to listen and we're ready to be transformed by your word. And God, we want to specifically pray for our brothers and sisters who are Liverpool fans. Lord, today is a very, very heartbreaking day for them. I pray that tonight they know that they can also enter God's rest, Lord. As the invitation still open, that they can find rest in you. Thank you. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. You guys may be seated. At tonight's sermon is very, very simple. I titled it, Strive into God's Rest. You never walk alone, my friend. You never walk alone. Okay. Do you guys know that there's a difference, there's a big difference between sleeping and resting? Okay? There's a big difference between sleeping and resting. So, uh, because you know, uh, research has shown in fact, what restore you when you sleep is not the length of your sleep, but the depth of your sleep. Have you heard about research before? It's called REM. It's called Rapid Eye Movement Sleep. So it's not about, you can sleep for 10 hours. You can sleep for 12 hours. I know some of you does. It's crazy. But you can sleep as long as you want, but yet when you wake up, you still feel tired. Any, any of you ever experienced that? So there's a difference between sleeping... And resting. You can sleep for many hours, but yet continue to be restless. Now, I experienced this a lot. Like last night, I only slept for one hour. I don't know why. I went to bed like 11 o'clock at night, but I can't sleep. It's just till like 3 o'clock in the morning, and then I wake up to watch Liverpool. But um, yeah, but I, I was restless, so i a bit tired. But let me tell you my experience last week. Okay, last week was the face starting week for me. What happened is this: if you know what happened last week, I preached in the morning service today as well. But last week, I preached in the morning service um, so I tried to, uh, I tried to sleep at Saturday night at around 12 o'clock at night, okay, I went to bed at 12, and then I set my alarm at 2.15, do you guys know why? Because this FA Cup final, Manchester United is playing, that's last week, by the way, that's last week, not, no, not this week, so I woke up at 2.15 in the morning, so I woke, I slept for about two hours, right, and then I watched the game, and as many of you knew, we lost badly, badly lost, I mean, it's a crap game, and after that, you know, I tried, to, I tried to go back to sleep, and I set my alarm at 6.30 in the morning, so I went to back, uh, I went, tried to sleep around 4 o'clock in the morning, but the problem is this, because man says, you at know, loss, my heart was saddened. I was frustrated. I was upset. I can't sleep, you know, like, so the first 30 minutes in my bed, like, uh, 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 I was extremely restless, but eventually, after like 30 minutes, I managed to fall asleep. But I had a weird, weird, weird experience, okay? This is what happened. So I slept for about two hours, between 4.30 to 6.30 in the morning. And in those two hours, I had three consecutive nightmares. Three nightmares in that two hours. My first nightmare is like this. My first nightmare was I was preaching in a very large place. I'm not sure where. But when I was about to preach, I totally forgot my sermon, I forgot everything. Now, if you're a public speaker, then you know, that will be like your worst nightmare. Standing in front of people and you're just clueless on what to say. And then I woke up. Oh my gosh, what kind of dream is this? And then I slept again. I slept again. I had another nightmare. This time, it's not that I forgot my sermon. This time, I forgot my iPad. This is my sermon notes. So I went to preach, but I don't have my sermon notes. And, I'm, and I woke up again. I'm like, what kind of nightmare is this? Okay? And then I went to sleep again. And now I had another nightmare. This time my microphone is not working. You know, and I woke up again. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And then my alarm ring. 6:30 in the morning. And you guys, you know, you know what I find out? I actually had an inception moment. Dreams within a dream. So I was dreaming. In my dream, I had a nightmare. So you guys with me? Mean? So actually, I, all those time, all these night, three nightmares, I was dreaming that I had those nightmares. So it's crazy, and all I can say is, is Manchester United just ruined my nightmare. So I I went to sleep. I, I slept for about two hours, but I wake up even more tired than before I went to bed. Have you ever experienced that? I was restless. My soul was restless. So, but tonight, through the passage that we just read, basically the order of Hebrews says this: You might be restless. But tonight, God is inviting you to enter God's rest. And what do I mean by God's rest? What, what, what I mean by God's rest is it's not sleeping. What I mean by God's rest is a position where you, do, you can go to sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. Where you can sleep. when you can, Your life might be in chaos. You, your life might not work the way you expected. But when you wake up, you feel that joy, gladness, delight, even though your circumstance does not change. That is called God's rest. Rest And tonight, the order of Hebrews said, I want you to enter into God's rest. And my friend, my Liverpool friend, tonight, this rest is available for you. Do not, do not, do not be heartbroken, okay? That's one of the things. But, but if you understand this, today is almost impossible, it's almost impossible for us to, for us to have good rest. Do you know why? Two things. First is Technology. Because of the advancement of technology, today it's almost impossible for us to have a good rest. Do you know why? Because now, because there used to be a time that when you work, you only work from 8 to 5, correct? When you finish rope, you lock off from work and you don't touch work until the next day. But today, some of you even carry a laptop everywhere you go, right? Some of you carry a laptop from work. So today you carry this thing called smartphones. And you have access to your work simply just by checking your phone. Your boss and your quote click only one WhatsApp away. And even if that's not enough, even when you're bored, what do you do? You play PUBG. You know that going to get into sermon someday or later, right? PUBG. You, you, use, you play PUBG, so you're you very, very busy people. You know, I long for the day that, you know, we don't use smartphone. We use dumb phone. Nokia 30 to ten. Anyone with me? You know, we play Snake. Rather than PUBG, we play Snake together, right? Or like, get a high score. I get 1,000 and stuff like that. But today, we, we don't know how to rest because... With the advancement of technology, we have all our works in the finger of our hand. But not only that. Like back in the days, you only have to compete with Bill from next office. But today, you have to compete with everyone around the world, right? Everyone around the world who does does the same work as you do, that's your competition. That's why some of you, whenever I say, are you tracking with me? You just get, oh, you're CUCWB. Chandler wanna be, right? Because why? Because you already know, because oh man, this, this guy, this guy's just trying to copy Chandler, even though I'm not. But that's what we do because technology allows us to have access to everyone around the world who have the same role, who has the same duty as us. So that's why we become restless. And not only technology, but the second reason we become restless is achievement. We live in a society today that really, really promote what we call personal achievement. Like, we are driven by personal achievement. Like, everyone, every, everything around the world today is trying to tell you, you need to be somebody. You need to become someone. You need to be the one, the one person that everybody look up to. Well, I'm not going to tell you my age, but um, most people my age, my friend, uh, they're already married, okay? They're already married, and some of them already have kids. And whenever we talk, uh, I remember this conversation with one of my friends. She tell me about her kids, like, oh, yours. You know, my kids, uh, when my kids gonna go to this college, okay? My kids gonna go to this high school, and my kids gonna become a doctor, and it's amazing. And and, and then she starts telling me all the lessons that her kids is on right now. Like she's taking maths lesson, English lesson, mandarin lesson, ballet, swimming, and I'm like, yo, um, how old is your kid? Four years old. And you're like, come on, that's overparenting, right? Some like, of you nope, that's the story of my life. Go. Sorry about that. <laughs> But um, that's what's happened because we are driven by personal achievement. We, are, we live in a world that we try to become somebody. We try to show to the world that we, became, we can become someone. And because of that, no wonder, no wonder many of us are weary. No wonder many of us are exhausted. No wonder many of us are tired. And to those of you who are weary and exhausted and tired, this invitation tonight, I want you to enter into God's rest. Now, what do we mean by entering God's rest? I will explain to you. But basically, my sermon is going to be divided into three sections. First, there's invitation to enter the rest of God. Second, why do we not enter God's rest? And third, how do we enter this rest? Now, the first one, the invitation to rest. We're going to read from first 3 to first 10. Okay, This is a long one. Bear with me. The order of Hebrews says this, For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I saw in my right, they shall not enter my rest, although his work were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today saying to David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua have given them rest, God will not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Now, let me explain to you what this, this, this... this paragraph is actually very complex, so I'm not going to explain to you first by first because it's extremely complex, but I'm going to explain to you the meaning. The meaning is very simple. Simply this. You can only find true rest in Christ. Simple, right? You can only find true rest in Christ. But let me explain to you the order of Hebrews' argument. Okay? It begins with this. It begins, he says this, that um, you need to understand that there is this thing called original rest, and then there's this thing called the stages of rest, okay? Let me explain to you the original rest. What is the original rest? Now, if you ever read the book of Genesis, then you will know that in the book of Genesis, God created the world in how many days? Seven days, correct? So God worked for, in, for six days, and on the seven days, God rests, okay? That's in Genesis 2, verse 3. This is what it said: So God blessed the seventh day, And made it holy because God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So, if you read the book of Genesis 1 and 2, you'll find this rhythm. Okay, you'll find this rhythm. God created sun and moon, and it was good. God created land and the sea, and it was good. God created plant and animals, and it was good. God created the sun and the stars, and it was good. And God created male and female. And it was good. And when everything comes together, when everything joined together, when all the creations are finally finished, then God makes this bold declaration. It was what? It was very good. Now, there's a Hebrew word for that. Hebrew word for that is this, shalom. Okay? You might heard that before. You, your parents might say that a lot, shalom, shalom. What does it mean? It simply means this, a perfect peace. And now, after God creating everything good, the Bible says this, and God rested on the seventh day. Now, what does it mean for God to rest? It does not mean this, oh my gosh, man, I'm tired, you know, creating Adam with that small eyes take a lot of precision and hard work, so I'm really, really tired after all the work that I've done, I need some rest. Angel, why don't you get me PS4 and get me the latest game, the God of Peace. I don't play God of War, okay? I want to play God of Peace. Let's play. Okay, that's, that's how we rest. That's how we define rest. But when God say, when the Bible say God rested, it does not mean that God was tired. Because we know from the Bible, God was never tired. God was never weary. God cannot get exhausted. So what does it mean for God to rest? It means this. When God rested, it simply means this. He enjoyed the fruit of His work. He finds delights, gladness, satisfaction, enjoyment in all that he has done. Let me give you a perfect example for this. Is this? It's like Mozart or Beethoven. When Mozart and Beethoven finally finish writing, composing their music, what do they do? They're resting in their masterpiece. But before they can enjoy their masterpiece, what do, they, what do they need to do? They need to work hard, right? They need to write a different part for violin, different part for cello, different part for... Percussion, different part for piano, different part for double bass. So he has to work hard. He has to combine all these different instruments together in his head, and then he have to write, write it down, and then he have to train the people. And then what happened? When he finally done with all of that, you know what, he, what, a, what Mozart will do? He will grab his chopstick, right? I don't know what to call it. He will grab his chopstick, and the moment he grabs his chopstick, you know what happened? The moment he moved one hand, suddenly cello start playing. And and when when everything comes together, when finally all the pieces come together, at that time what happened is Mozart was resting on his masterpiece. Are you with me? So, this is what happened. So, when God finished His creation, it says this, God rested from His work in me. He found delight. He found enjoyment, satisfaction in all that He accomplished. And He said, this is great. This is awesome. This is wonderful. And then, do you know what is the first thing that Adam and Eve have to do after God created them? God created Adam and Eve on what day? Sixth day, correct? So on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve, and then what happened? And God gave them a mandate. What is the mandate? Okay? The mandate is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So he pretty much basically says this, Adam and Eve, I want you to work. Okay? I want you to do something. I don't want you to be just lazy, bumming around, doing nothing. I want you to work. But pay attention. That's on the sixth day, correct? But do you know what happened the next day? The next day, imagine that Adam woke up from his sleep. Okay, I'm ready, God. Come on, let's work, Eve. Come on, let's do this. Okay, probably not going to do that to his wife, but let's do it. We're ready to work. But the very first thing that happened the next day was what? God said, oh, nope, you're not going to work today. The very first thing that Adam and Eve have to do after they receive the mandate to work is what? Today, you will rest. Today, you will enjoy my perfect work. Today, you will find delight satisfaction gladness in my perfect world now rest find rest in me first but then you know you if you read the bible then you know in genesis chapter 3 sin entered the world and because sin entered the world what happened There's a cosmic fracture and suddenly this perfect rest this perfect shalom is no more so now we become what the, the Bible says, restless. Now we lost that perfect shalom. We lost that perfect peace. And because of that, our hearts are longing for that peace. And that's why there's this beautiful quote from St. Augustine. You know it. Okay, This is what the quote say: You have made us for yourself, O oh Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So this is what Augustine said. Because of sin your heart and my heart are continuously restless. And it will only find rest in the person of Christ. You with me? So that's the original rest. We lost it. Because Adam and Eve, because of sin of Adam and Eve, we lost the original rest. But God in His goodness, He does not stop there. He made a plan to restore that rest to you and me, okay? And now we enter the second part, the stages of rest. So what happened? So God decided, okay, I'm going to save the people of Israel, okay? So the people of Israel was under the captivity of Egypt, and then God said, okay, I'm going to save them from the slavery of Egypt. So God, in His grace, God rescued the people of Israel, took them out of Egypt, take them out of Egypt into the promised land. And now if you think about promised land, it's said about promised land, promised land is a land filled with milk and Honey, what does it mean? It's a good land. It's a land where they can find enjoyment, where they can, they can delight, they can eat, they can taste the goodness of the land. So it's a picture, it's a shadow of God's rest. But then you know from our last study on the book of Hebrew, when they're about to enter the promised land, when they're about to go walk and conquer the promised land, what happened? They decided, uh-uh, we're not going to do this. Why? Because they see, oh my gosh, the people in the land are? Huge. Now, think about it. This is crazy. After witnessing everything that God has done, think about it. Maybe God's like, come on, seriously? You saw me splitting the red sea into two. You saw me performing these weird miracles. You saw me send the template. And do you think I cannot handle Shaquille O'Neal, Right? Do you think I cannot handle giants? I can take care of them. What? You do not believe me? And because of that, God swore. They will not enter God's rest. But then, 40 years later, okay, 40 years later, come this general by the name of Joshua. So what happened is this. Now, after a whole generation died in the wilderness and cannot enter the promised land, God raised a man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua was to lead the Israel to the promised land. So Joshua was ready. Come on. We're ready for war. Come on. We do it. Come on. We can do it. Okay, let's ask God. What is the plan? So Joshua went and talked with God. God, what is the plan? How can we conquer the promised land? And you know what's the plan? The plan is this. Okay, Joshua, here's the plan. I want you to circle around Jericho once a day for six days, okay? Just circle them. And on the sixth day, I want you to, I want to yeah, on the, on the seventh day, I want you to circle how many times? Seven times. So basically, what the, the plan is, is I'll just want you to walk. And Joshua go, all right, God, awesome. That's like a good plan. What do we do while we're walking? Like dig a hole or, you know, I don't make fun of them. No. God simply said, I just want you to do nothing. Just circle around those wall of Jericho. And Joshua would be like, okay. Okay, and then he probably have a meeting with all his generals. Okay, right, let's talk. What's the plans, Joshua? We're ready. We're ready to conquer the promised land. And then Joshua like, ah, uh, the plan is just to circle around Jericho for six days, and the seventh day, we're going to circle them seven times. That's it. That's it. But this time, the people of Israel knew better. They knew better than to second-guess God. Because the reason that they did not enter the promised land in the first place is because they second guessed God. But this time they said, all right, if God says so, we'll do it. And then what, what do you they do? They circle around Jericho once a day for six days, and the seven days, seven time, And you know what happened? The wall of Jericho crumbled down. And they entered the promised land. They take conquest, they, they conquer the promised land. But yet, the art of Hebrews says this even when Joshua hath led them into the promised land, The people of Israel have yet to enter into God's rest. And then come King David, many generations later. David is considered as the greatest king in Israel history. And yet, David writes this in Psalm 95, the psalm that we talk about in Hebrews chapter 3 when we talk about our last sermon. David says this, today, do not harden your heart. Enter Into God's rest. That means this, even though the people of Israel have entered into the promised land, even though the people of Israel have conquered Canaan, even though they have tasted a bit of the promised land, a bit of God's rest, they have yet to enter the fullness of God's rest. Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Why do we lose our rest in the first place? Sin. Because of sin. And until the problem of sin is taken care of, there will be no rest. And that's why, that's why. And then the next thing that, what the order of Hebrews says is, even though these trials are already in the promised land, God still promised them another Sabbath. Another Sabbath. And now you ask me, what is Sabbath? Let me tell you. First, there's two, re- there's two things about Sabbath. Sabbath, first thing about Sabbath that you need to understand is this, Sabbath is a day of rest. So it's basically Sabbath is a day where you do not work and where you decide, you know, well I'm a finite being. I'm not infinite. That means I need to rest. I need to know. I need to feel my energy. I need to know that even, you know, when I sleep, the world will still running. Basically the whole thing of the purpose of Sabbath is this, to let you know that you're not God. That God is God and you're not. So that means you can relax, you can breathe, you can take nap. Not now, though. Some of you are very eager. Okay, I want to apply the Sabbath rest tonight. No, no, not now. Maybe when you go home, you can apply the Sabbath rest then. But right now, right now, not yet. But this is the the purpose of Sabbath. Sabbath is basically a day of rest where you can find rest in God, where you can finally say, you know what, I'm not God. And even without me, God is fine. God does not need me, but I need God. That's the whole purpose of Sabbath. But the second purpose of Sabbath is in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. In Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, this is what God says about Sabbath. He says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What is the second purpose of Sabbath day? Second purpose is this. God wants the people of Israel to remember that God saved them from Egypt. God has saved them from Egypt. What does it mean? It means this that you can trust God to do His work. You can trust God that He will set you free, that He will bring you His promises. That's the second purpose of Sabbath. And now, the invitations given to the audience of the book of Hebrews this I know when you try to follow Christ, you lost many things. I know when you try to follow Christ, you lost your privileges, you lost many rights. People persecuted you, people badmouthed you, people think bad about you, society do not want you. I know you lost many things when you follow Christ, but understand this, even in the midst of that chaos, God said, come on, enter into my rest, because Christ has done His work. Christ has come to save you. Christ has done what no one else can do, that he conquered the problem of sin. He defeated sin at the cross. So now you and I can enter into his rest. Are you with me? That's the invitation to rest, okay? And now my second point. Why we do not enter God's rest, okay? It says this in verse 1 and 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let us fear, lest any of you should have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Now, what it means is, what it means is, the reason that the people of Israel do not enter into God's rest is simple. Hebrews 3 verse 19, it says this, Because of their Unbelief, And now because of their unbelief, now the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 says, therefore they do not enter into God's rest because they refuse to believe God. And I want you to take, take this warning really seriously. Because a lot of time we think we treat unbelief as like an issue that we can sleep over. Well, you know, it's, it's fine tonight, I don't believe God, but tomorrow I will believe God. That's not how it works. According to the book of Hebrews, unbelief is more function like a cancer that can kill you. That can destroy all of you. So you need to be aware of unbelief. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, you should fear. You should fear unbelief. What does it mean? Is that mean like we have to be afraid every day? Like, oh my gosh, am I, am, I, am I believing God today? Am I in unbelief today? I don't think what the author of Hebrews was saying. Because the author of Hebrews continues alone is enough." is us that Christ alone is enough. Christ's sacrifice alone is enough. He is sufficient. But yet, at the same time, he continued to give you this warning. Do not, do not let unbelief conquer your heart. Fear unbelief. What does it mean? It means this. You and I need a healthy doses of healthy fear. Okay? What is healthy fear? Can we have the statement? Healthy fear simply this. Healthy fear is the kind of fear that makes you afraid when you are not where you are supposed to be. And the kind of fear that makes you feel safe when you are where you're supposed to be. Let me repeat that. Healthy fear is the kind of fear that makes you afraid when you're not where you're supposed to be and the kind of fear that makes you feel safe when you are where you are supposed to be. Let me explain. I grew up in Bali. I was born and raised in Bali and I moved to Sydney when I was 10 years old. So, when I still lived in Bali, Bali was not like it is today. Bali was clean, and nice. Okay, you can ask Ka'ilu. Back in the days, Bali is a clean place. Okay? And um, one of the things that I love to do after school, um, when I was about seven or eight, uh, I love to ride my bike. Anyone love riding their bike? I love riding my bike, yeah? So my dad gave me permission, like, Yoshi, you can, after school, when you finish all your homework and stuff, you can go and have fun and ride your bike. So, that's what I did. So, uh, me and my friend, one of my friends, she's my best friend, the only friend I have, pretty much <laughs> back then. So, we would ride our bike uh, every single day. After school, we will have fun. And then my dad already gave me a warning. You see, you can have fun and ride your bike, but do not wander off too far. Okay, that's all. That's all. So, one day, my friend or my good friend said this, you know what? You know that there's a lake near, near this area? you want to ride to the lake? And I'm like, why not? Okay, so we did. So we ride our bike to the lake. And like, like I told you, back in the days, Bali was clean and nice. So when we got to the lake, you know, I was exposed to this side that I never saw before. You know, I was exposed to the dark side. What did I see? I see many ladies taking bath in the lake okay, that's like, whoa, what is this, this is a brand new sight for me, right, we, I never exposed to this sight before, so I was exposed to this I'm like, oh, at first we take a pic. like, we don't, we're afraid to get closer. so we'll take a pick from far, but eventually, you know, little kids, eventually we get braver and braver, finally, at the end of the day, uh, they were taking shower, they're taking a bath next to us, and we were playing next to them, you know, they don't care, we're kids, and I don't really care, because I don't know, I think, but when I was seven, so we play, so we play, we play around the lake, and what eventually happened is I get wet, really wet, and then I went home, okay, I thought, I thought the problem is solved, like, well, my parents will never find out that we play in the lake, right, they don't have ice everywhere, right, no one will know, but what I forgot is this, my clothes were still wet, so I don't know who, but one of the in my house told my dad and my mom that Yossi was playing in the lake, right, so when my dad got home, do you know what happened? He was really, really upset. He was frustrated. He was angry. And back in my days, when I was young, we do not have timeout. You know what timeout is? Timeout. Go in the corner. Think about what you do. Okay, that's what, how parents do things this day. In my days, we don't have timeout. You know what we have in my days? Ba-chong, right? <laughs> Belt. So, what my dad did is this he belted me. I don't even know if that's a word. You know, but he belted me. I created my own verb. He belted me. He smashed me. He, he hit my leg. And I was crying. I was, no, I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He belted me. And once my dad finished belting me, there comes the angel, my mom. So my mom would come and, oh, okay, take me aside and put some oil on my leg. And you know what my mom would say? My mom would say things like this, you know, your daddy love you very much the reason dad belted you is not because, he's, because he hates you. Not because he's upset and wants bad, something bad for you. The only reason he belted you, why? Because he loves you. Because playing in the lake could be very dangerous for you. you we can easily lose you and no one knows. You can easily get into accident and we cannot help you. That's why daddy belted you. Okay. And do you think what happens next? Do you think the next day I will be, okay, no more biking for me? No, I will continue to ride my bike. My dad will still give me the freedom. Come on, go, have fun, enjoy biking. So I will do that. I will still enjoy biking with my friend. But whenever I come near to the lake, there will be this sense called belting, belting. Okay, turn right, belting, belting, turn right. Why? Because I remember what happened. And the same thing is happening through the book of Hebrews. It says this, I want you to enjoy the freedom that Christ has purchased for you. I want you to live in such a way with delight, satisfaction, knowing that Christ has purchased everything for you. But fear unbelief. Do not go there. Do not touch it. Because if you go there, you might not come into the promised land. You might not enter into God's rest. Fear unbelief. We need to have a healthy fear that knows that God, God, God cannot tolerate unbelief. That's the reason why I do not enter God's rest. So, then, the next question is this. How, then, do we enter God's rest? Three points, and I finish. First, the first thing, how can we enter God's rest? It's simple this. If, you, if, you, if you've been in RSI for a while, RYI, you know. The first way we enter God's rest is simply like this. We have to believe the gospel. First, three. For we who have belief enter that rest. Now, the word believing is not merely intellectual agreement. A lot of time when we think about believing, we, we think about intellectual ag- agreement. That's not believing. The way the Bible used the word "believing" is not intellectual agreement. It's more, so much more than that. If you believe in something, if you believe in Christ, it means this, you put all your chip in Christ. So if, you, if, you, if you're a gamble person, if you're a gambling person, that means this you put all your chip and say, "You know what? All in. Jesus, Jesus or nothing." That's what it means to believe. In Christ. And that's this, this is what the author of Hebrews say. I want you to believe in Christ. So what does it mean to believe in Christ? It means this if Christ said enter the promised land, you go and enter. But there's a giant, so what? Christ is bigger than giant. If Christ said go and walk around the circle around Jericho once time a day for six days, you do that. Why? Even though it does not make any sense. Why? Because you believe in Christ. The word believe has so much more meaning than simply intellectual agreement. You can believe, you can, you, can, you can understand in your mind and know that the gospel is true. But unless you believe it, unless you're willing to put all your chip on Jesus, you have yet to believe the gospel. So the first thing that we need to do is understand is We need to put all our chip on Jesus, all our trust on Jesus, that he has purchased the rest that you and I need. That he has done it for you and me perfectly. He does not need your help. He done it all. So put all your money in him. Trust him fully. He can save you. He can lead you into his rest. That's the first thing. We need to believe the gospel. But the second thing is this. The second thing that the Bible tells us is this. We need to rest from our works. We find that in verse 10. This, is What is it? For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. his. Now, let me tell you, the biggest, the greatest obstacle to enter God's rest is not your sin. It's not. The greatest obstacle to enter God's rest is your good works. Because your sin only points you to your need for savior. But your good works, your good works make you rely on yourself. Your good works make you think, okay, I can do this. I can handle it on my own. I can do this. I can, basically what we're doing is we go back to the mentality of the world. That's all about personal achievement. I can do this. I can achieve this. I can accomplish this on my own. I do not need God. But that's, by, si- by doing that, you're simply refusing to trust Christ. You're refusing to enter God's rest. So what the order of Hebrews says is, I need you to understand, you need to rest from your work you need to stop trying to earn God's approval. You need to stop trying to earn merit in front of God so that God will give you what you want. And that's a lot of times what we do. See, the world tells us, in order for us to have rest, you need A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That might look different to different people. For some of us, in order for me to find rest, I need a perfect wife. Or oh, for some of us, in order for us to have finally have rest in my soul, I need to graduate with the best degree. In order for me to have fun rest, I need to have the high distinction on my paper. In order for me to have rest, I need to have a good family. In order for me to find rest in my soul, I need to have a good business. In order for me to have rest, I need to have a good family. I need to have kids. I need to have whatever it is. The world tells us this. You need to add something else in order for you to find rest. And if you do that, you're still relying on your works. That means you're saying Jesus is not enough. Christ is not enough. You still try to do something, contribute to find that rest. And here, the order of Hebrews says, come on, man, I want you to rest. No wonder many of us are exhausted, tired. Because why? We still, even though we say we believe Christ, even though we say we believe the gospel, we still try to earn our own approval by our own strength, by our own achievement, by our own desire, by our own might. And now the order of Hebrews says, come on, rest from your word. And the third thing, and the last part, is this, not only that you need to believe the gospel and rest from your book. The third thing that the order of Hebrews says is, you need to strive to enter
1: God's rest.
0: You need to strive to enter God's rest. Now, now this is like, wait, wait a minute. I thought you just said we need to rest from our work. Now, you're telling me to strive? Isn't that strife working? Yes and no. Because the strife that the other of Hebrew have in mind is different kind of strife. It's not strife to earn your approval. It's not strife to earn something from God. No. The kind of striving that the other of Hebrew have in mind is this. Can we have the statement? The strife to enter God's rest is should be another one. Here you go. To strive to enter God's rest is to do everything we can to continue to trust in Christ's perfect work. Why this is important? Let me tell you why. Because the world that we live in has its own gravity. And the gravity of the world always pulls us away from the promise of the gospel. The gravity of the world tries to tell us that the, this world, your life is about you, what you can accomplish, what you can do. That's the world that we live in. That's the media. That's the lie of the media that we hear every day. In order for you to be happy, you need to have six packs. In order for you to be happy, you need to have the right haircut. In order for you to be happy, you need to have the right clothes, the right bag, the right shoes. In order for you to be happy, you need to have the right job. That's what the media keep telling us. So the world that we live in has its own gravity. And the gravity of this world pulls us away from the promise of the gospel. That's why the order of Hebrews says you need to strive to enter gospel. I mean, do everything that you can, that you possibly can to remind yourself, to continue to tell yourself to trust in Christ's perfect work. That is why, that is why it's very important for you and I to be in a church that preach the gospel weekly. That is why it's very important for you and I to be in a community that continue to remind the gospel to one another every time because you and I cannot do this alone there's a gravity that tries to pull us away from Christ but you and I need to remind ourselves it's like this imagine you live in a very cold house during the winter in Korea minus 10 minus 15 and then you have a fireplace in your house and that fireplace is burning with fire right? every single day during the winter do you know what happened? Every time you get near to that fireplace, every time you get near the fire, what do you, what do you feel? You'll fire, you feel warm, correct? Because why? Because there's a heat that emitted from that fire that makes you feel warm. But what happened the moment you step away from that fire and say, for example, walk into your own room? What happened? You start to feel cold again. And that's the condition of our heart. Our default mode. Our human default mode is always self-achievement, self-accomplishment. Yet that's why we need to come to the fire of the gospel all the time. Whenever the sin lies to me and say, You see, you're not worthy to become g- children of God, I walk to the fire of the gospel and tell, remind myself that Christ has purchased me every time doubt come over me like I'm not sure if God really loves me I come to the fire of the gospel and remind myself that Jesus died at the cross for me every time the world tells me I need A, B, C, D, A, G why are you 32 and single? every time I have every kind, this kind of language come into my head I'll remind myself I walk into the fire of the gospel and tell remind myself that in Jesus I am love in Jesus I am treasured in Jesus I am Heir of God. And this does not come automatically. We need to do it intentionally. Continue, continue to come to the fire of the gospel. That's what striving into God's rest. Means, that we need to remind ourselves again and again of what Christ has done for us. Because we forgot every day. And the world tells us otherwise every day. So my encouragement to you tonight is this. I know many of us are weary. Following Christ is not easy. Maybe you have many unmet expectations. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you're tired. You know, I've, I've been trying to be good, but how come things never work out for me? Maybe you're weary I'm tired. But the order of Hebrews is this. Tonight, for those of you who are weary, this invitation. Come into God's rest and let me finish with this quote from Jesus I love it you know it one of the most famous Jesus saying is, this is Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 come to me all who labor and heavy burden learn from me I will, I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke It's easy. And my burden is that. This is what Jesus said. Jesus does not say, okay, if you trust me, then everything will be okay. No. This is what He said. I want you to trust me and I want you to learn from me. What does it mean? I want you to trust me. Walk with me. Learn from me. Watch my footsteps. Keep looking at me. Keep staring at me. And as you do that, as you continue to do that, you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest. One last thing, I almost forgot, and I finished, I promise. One last thing, and I promise. I'm done. I don't want to be legalistic about this, but listen. God created the world through a system where He worked for six days, and He rested on the seventh day, correct? God created the world through the system that He worked for six days, and He rested on the seventh day, okay? So this is what I just want to tell you. That means this. And remember the point of Sabbath is what? The point of Sabbath is to remind our soul that I'm not God, that God is God and I'm not. And remind my soul that God can be trusted. He can be trusted to lead me into His rest. That's the point of Sabbath. So that means this. Even though Jesus already fulfilled Sabbath, even though Jesus has already fulfilled all the criteria in order for us to find rest in Him, I don't think we should neglect physical Sabbath too quickly I don't want to be legalistic I don't say if you don't have physical Sabbath one day a week then you're living in sin that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying is this you and I are created by God to thrive in a system where we work for six days and rest for one day let me just want to encourage you this it's easy for you to say I trust God very easy but at the end of the day, what shows whether you trust God or not is this, whether your life short. And if you are so busy living your life seven days a week and you, do not, you cannot spare a one-day a week to rest in Christ, to thank Him, to worship Him, to prioritize Him, I seriously doubt, I seriously doubt that you trust Him. Of course, there's a lot of different circumstances. Like, you know, I really need money at this moment, stuff like that. Things happen, yes. But that's exception. That's not the norm. The norm is this. You and I are created to thrive in a system where we work for six days and rest in Him for one whole day. So I want to encourage you. I I don't want to make legalistic law. You need to have Sabbath every single Sunday. Do not work, no. But I want you to think, really, really consider, think heartily. You might need to have Sabbath. And maybe that's why many of you are exhausted and tired. Let's pray. God, we praise you. For tonight, we receive the invitation to enter your rest. I know many of us tonight are weary, God. Many of us are exhausted. and Many of us are struggling in trusting you. Many of us are struggling in walking in your way. But tonight we hear your invitation. Tonight tonight we hear the invitation from the mighty King to come and enter into his rest. So tonight, Lord, we want to say that we want to trust you. We want to believe the promise of the gospel. We want to trust the good news that Jesus, you have died for us. You have conquered our restlessness, you have conquered sin. You defeated sin once and for all at the cross so now that we no longer have to fight and we no longer have to strive for our own perfection. Because in you, Jesus, we have that perfection. So tonight we want to rest from our work. And we want to trust in your perfect work. So help us, Lord. Continue to remind us of the gospel. Continue to bring us to the goodness of the gospel. And every time we forget every time we forget Lord help us to return back to the fire of the gospel every time our hearts become cold I pray that we continue to return the gospel and find warmth in the fire of the gospel so I pray for these people Lord may we become a people may we be a people who know that our rest is only found in you and you alone and I ask this and we ask this in your mighty name in your Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we worship.